The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. As we worship today, I want to invite you to pray. We're going to pray today, not only for the people of Louisiana and those that are suffering, but I want to invite you to pray specifically uh, for church leaders. Uh, I'm at the First Baptist Church in Venton, Louisiana. Uh, this church, like so many that I've passed in my time here, it's the roof's blown off, a big part of the building's destroyed. There's nobody even beginning to do cleanup here because you can probably imagine the pastor of this church is likely trying to survey the damage at his house. And um, I can tell you from Hurricane Harvey, um, those of you that flooded in our church, as a pastor, you feel like these are your family. You're called to take care of them. And there are pastors and civic leaders and people all over Louisiana right now trying to care for those in need. And I want to invite you to join with me and pray for them. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, pastors and leaders and civic leaders all across Louisiana. They're going to step up to lead the good work of helping people rebuild their homes and their lives. God, I know personally how difficult that journey is. And I ask today that you would protect them that you would protect their health in the midst of this pandemic, that you would give them the energy and the strength and the sleep that they need to function well, to lead well, to serve well. And I'm gonna pray that for all of our churches that have resources right now that can give to make their job a little bit easier, that we would step forward and do what you've called us to do. Lord, we believe that you've been good to us so that when others are struggling and suffering, that we can carry part of that burden. Help us to do that today and be with our brothers and sisters in Louisiana. We pray all of this together, and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. My face shall be
Last Sunday, Jacob Blake was walking away from a verbal exchange with uh, police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, when one of the officers took part of his shirt in his hands and then shot him seven times in the back as he attempted to enter his vehicle. Seven times in the back. Miraculously, Jacob has survived, though paralyzed from the waist down and in intensive care. Uh, just the latest in a line of tragedies inflicted upon our black brothers and sisters. So we pray as, as a family in gratitude and hope for Jacob that unlike so many before him, that he may have the opportunity to tell his story. We pray in loving grief for his children in the vehicle, that, that following the trauma that they were forced to endure in being helpless witnesses to this senseless and violent attack on their father, God would somehow bring them comfort. We pray in righteous anger alongside Jacob and his family and community, searching for answers and justice as well as praying for those families of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and countless other victims forced to endure, relive their own traumas again and again. We pray again that, that this event, like so many uh, others, catalyze radical change in overthrowing generational oppression persecution and racist practices, which are historical, but not yet history. Transformation seems so often beyond our even most fervent hope and prayer. And yet we continue, we must continue to cry out in lament, God, we need you. Even though we feel so often that this time of waiting has no end, how long must we wait? In Psalm 80, the psalmist pleads this, he says, Turn your ear toward us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead the children of Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned above heaven's winged creatures, radiate your light, arouse your strength and power and save us. Bring us back to you, God, turn the light of your face upon us so that we will be rescued from this sea of darkness. O eternal God, commander of heaven's armies, how long will you remain angry at the prayers of your sons and daughters? You have given them tears for food. You have given them an abundance of tears to drink. Ecclesia, say these words aloud with me. O God, commander of heaven's armies, bring us back to you. Turn the light of your face upon us so that we will be rescued from this sea of darkness. O God, commander of heaven's armies, come back to us. Gaze down from heaven and see what has happened. Let your protective hand rest on the one who is at your right hand, the child of man whom you have raised and nurtured for yourself. We will not turn away. Amen. We continue to witness the force of so many storms this week that threaten our, our communities. Storms of nature, but also storms of humanity, as well as those storms which gather and rage within our own hearts. In all of these, we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
to show us how to navigate them. So with whatever that storm may look like today, let us bring that as we continue to sing together as a family. Jesus, Savior, pilot me.
Even in this challenging season, we continue to be committed to the work God calls us. Sharing the gospel, caring for the vulnerable in our city and beyond, caring well especially for our children. As we each consider our part in that offering, please speak this prayer along with me. Almighty God, we long to love you and one another as you love us. Fill us with continued worship, and gratitude to sustain us in uncertain times. Help our thoughts to be holy and our hearts to remain generous as you free us from all anxiety and fear of scarcity. We seek each day to place our renewed trust in you, reminded that even in the seeming desert, your banquet table is set for feasting. Through this humble offering of our family and in all things, may you be glorified, amen. This is Pastor Chris, and I'm in South Louisiana. Uh, we're here with a small team delivering supplies uh, that you've sent to people in great need. What I can tell you so far about Hurricane Laura is that it's a devastating storm, really different than Hurricane Harvey, uh, where we got a lot of floodwaters and it sat over us for a long time. Uh, an incredible storm surge and a lot of houses like what you see behind me that have just been dismantled. You can imagine if you live in Louisiana and you're in uh, a manufactured home. Um, I've driven by some that just, there's, there's almost nothing left. And we got a lot of brothers and sisters that are here and they're in need. And we're gonna do what we do. We're gonna be the church. We're gonna step up. So you're gonna hear more over coming days and weeks about how you can contribute. There's not a lot of opportunity to bring teams right now to do cleanup. Uh, COVID's a concern. But if you're a person that's skilled with a chainsaw, I wanna tell you, we'll find a way to get you a room. We've learned the hard way in hurricane relief that one, one person that is really skilled with a chainsaw is better than 20 that are not. So I'm not, but if you are, I'd love to talk to you. And there's a lot of work for you to do here. We're gonna be the church. We're gonna step up and love our friends and neighbors. And today I was scheduled to preach 
I talked to you about it last week, on this idea of will God give us uh, more than we can handle? I think one of the things we figured out in 2020 is that trite Christianity or a Christianity that's based on trite sayings doesn't work in 2020, right? Oftentimes at a funeral, I get to stand next to people and Christians come up and say the worst things to somebody in grief, right? And I have to just look at them like, hey, what? That's not actually true. And I've often heard people say, and maybe I've even said it, right? Hey, God won't give you more than you can handle. Don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. And uh, I gotta tell you this, Ecclesia, not true. Um, this is the thing. There are a lot of us that have faced some things and we're like, this was more than I could handle for sure. Now, did God give it to me? The world give it to me? Did I give it to myself? That's a totally different question. But there are a number of us facing some challenges in 2020. They were going, this is way more than I can handle. I've sat with some families in our church recently and all I could say to them was, this is too much. Like, this is just too much. So what do we do and where does this idea come from? Well, it comes from 1 Corinthians 10. And in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is not talking about the suffering we endure in life. In fact, I remember first objecting to this phrase when I was a student at Baylor and somebody said this phrase to me, right? And I had just come from a, a class I was taking on the Holocaust. Uh, this class, we spent a lot of time uh, hearing stories about uh, people that survived the Holocaust. And as they told stories, right, I went, hey, I'm pretty sure if you're looking at somebody that endured the Holocaust, like that's more than they can handle, clearly. And I'm facing some things right now that I go, this is more than I can handle. So what was Paul really saying in 1 Corinthians 10? Well, the great part of the Bible is you can just read it. And this is what he says, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. The first words are super important. He says, any temptation, hear that? Any temptation you face will be nothing new. But God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. What's Paul talking about here? Life? No, he's talking about temptation. So in other words, when I talked to you about sin a few weeks ago, right? Our sins are the, the wrong things we do or the right things that we fail to do. The moments that we're tempted to either do the wrong thing or to refrain from doing the right thing, those moments of temptation, Paul's saying there will be a way out of that temptation. He goes on, he says, he always provides a way of escape so that you will be able to endure and keep moving forward. So then my beloved friends, run from any idolatry in any form, right? The, the church in Corinth, they were being tempted to fall back into their old ways of life. And, uh, and it was hard. And Paul was saying, hey, don't worry, you will be tempted, but you're not gonna be tempted in a way that was different than the children of Israel were tempted uh, when they were in the desert. Not different than the way anyone's ever been tempted. And when you're tempted, you're gonna find a way out. Now, what about suffering? Is there a way out of suffering? Let me just tell you this right away. No, no. In Southern Louisiana right now, there are people going, I would like to opt out of suffering. And there's like, nope, you got it. Here it is, it's in your face. So what do you do, right? What do you do with suffering if it's too much? Uh, this is what I can tell you. When it comes to temptation, there's always an escape. When it comes to suffering, there's only one path. You know it, right? There's one path and it's through it, right? Have you heard people tell you, this is uh, not a trite saying, because I think it's just true, where they just tell you, push through the pain, right? Push through the pain, like whatever that pain is, you just gotta push through, you gotta endure, and you gotta wait to get on the other side of it. And that's why we have passages in the Bible uh, that are so filled with pain and longing 
and even with frustration with God, right? In Psalm 22, this is what the psalmist says. He says, my God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? Now, this is a great passage. You know why? Well, because it's in the Bible, but also because Jesus quoted it on the cross, right? Jesus is on the cross in his moment of suffering, where just before he entered into that suffering, he had gone to the garden. He went with his disciples and he entered into the garden and they were in this place of sorrow. They kept falling asleep. And Jesus, in a time of prayer and honesty said, I'm, my soul is grieved to the point of death. He said, I'm, I'm hurting so bad. I feel like I'm gonna die. And the psalmist is in a similar place. He says, oh my God, I cry all day and you are silent. My tears in the night bring no relief. And he goes on and he says, still you are holy. And he ultimately says, God, you're still with me. Even when I feel really alone, even when I feel really broken, there are other Psalms uh, that, that echo the sense of sadness, sorrow, despair, uh, clenching our fist at God and saying, God, I, I want to find a way forward. If you're anything like me, in recent weeks or months, you've come to a few places that you've gone, I don't know if I can keep moving forward. Or maybe you're like me recently and you thought, has the pain, like, has it broken me? Anybody said something or done something that you know better than and you're like, I'm, I know better than this, right? Last week I was uh, making a delivery to one of our Ecclesia staff. If you're a part of our church, you may have noticed I'm making deliveries all the time. Like, I, I, what do you do in a pandemic? You bring people food. That's what makes me smile. If somebody brings me food. I was bringing food to Kelly Booth. It was her birthday and she works so faithfully at the church. And I got to talk to her kids and her beautiful little girls and her husband, Brian, that I uh, think so much of. And we had a great visit. And just when I'm getting ready to leave, we had two other Ecclesia staff come up. And as I was walking away, I looked up at one of those staff members and, I, and a thought came into my head that you would normally just hold in your head, right? I thought, I looked at the staff member and I thought, she looks really pregnant, right? And uh, these are when you just think the thought and you hold on to the thought, right? Because you're a smart human being. I'm supposed to be a smart human being. Apparently, I'm not a smart human being. And as this beloved staff member walked up, I said to her, you look really pregnant. I didn't even ask her if she was pregnant. I said, you look really pregnant. Now, she said to me, no, I'm just bloated. And uh, you can imagine what went through my heart and mind. And I'm not kidding you, Ecclesia. For six days, I beat myself up. I went to my therapist. I told my therapist, like, I think maybe I'm broken. Like something in my head is I no longer have a filter that lets it, it just comes out of my mouth. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I've been in the house too long. Maybe I haven't been engaging people. Maybe I shouldn't engage people anymore. Like, maybe I'm just going to step in it every time, right? And I stepped in it. Well, I got a text from this beloved staff member uh, from her husband, which you could expect, right? He's also on staff at the church. And I'm like, well, let's, you know, go ahead and crucify me, right? And they wanted to have a talk with me. And on Monday, I was ready to have a talk with them. But I'll tell you, I was dreading it because I'm the one that stepped in it, right? And you know what? Uh, you know what I found out? Is that one, I do need to make sure my brain doesn't do that. But you know what we found out is that when I mentioned that, they thought maybe they should take a pregnancy test. And, uh, and our dear brothers, Gabe and Katie, they've been on staff for a while and we love them. Uh, they decided that they should take a pregnancy test. And 
Katie took a pregnancy test and then ended up at the doctor and guess how many weeks pregnant she is? 35? 35 weeks pregnant. Now, it's a long story. You'll have to get them to tell you. She's had some other illnesses and didn't really believe it was possible to get pregnant. Well, you know what? It is. And, uh, and she's pregnant. And I'm, I think, I think I'm vindicated. I still need to not say what comes into my mind, but she was 35 weeks pregnant. She was really, really pregnant. And maybe you've had a moment like that and you could celebrate. We're going to be I don't know, in a very short amount of time doing showers and caring for them and giving them gifts and praying for them because they got a baby boy coming soon. And I think they should name the baby boy Chris since I'm the one that prompted them to actually get the pregnancy test. And the baby's due the day after my birthday. If it's born on my birthday, that's a pretty great gift, right? And at Ecclesia, we think babies are the best gift in the world. Now, maybe you've done something like that where you just thought like, I know better than this and this is not what I want to do, but I've had enough, right? 2020 has been the biggest dumpster fire ever and I'm done. And if you're in Louisiana right now, that's pretty much how you feel. And based on what I know about some of your lives, that may be exactly how you feel. This is what I'm going to tell you. God didn't promise that he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. But this is what he said, that he can handle all things. So what do we do when we're in a hard place? What do we do in 2020? I got two things I want to share with you. First is to stay connected to God. That, that part of what we hear in Matthew 11, Jesus says it so clearly. right? And, and Jesus says, says this in this beautiful passage. At the very end of Matthew 11, verse 28, he says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon your shoulders. This is one of the most confusing passages in scripture. He says, I'll give you rest. And then he talks about a really difficult tool that's used to put on an ox to farm, right? And you're like, are we resting or are we working, right? Because for us, we tend to think they're two different things. I'll tell you when I'm here in, in Southern Louisiana and I get to help, there is no work that is more restful for me. This is what my soul was made to do. And Jesus says, right, put my yoke upon your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, but it's perfectly fitted to your curves. Learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And when you're yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What do we do when we think this is too much? I've had too much. This is part I want to invite you to do. Join me and let's help people in Louisiana. Join me and let's serve your neighbors. What do I do when I'm down? And I've been down recently, right? I grill, right? If I grill and bring people food, and uh, this week I did uh, just just chicken breasts alone on Tuesday. I, I did 32 chicken breasts, and I did some steak and some fish, and then I'm working on a great smoked queso recipe. I put ground turkey in it this time. It was really good. I'm gonna master it and hopefully bring some to you. And you know what? All of a sudden I went from sadness to I was serving people. People smile when they eat smoked queso. And uh, oh, it was a gift, right? I felt so much better. So what do we do? We connect to God. We put his yoke on our shoulders and we start to do the work we're made to do. And we're reminded, oh, I'm made for this. What else do we do? We stay connected to each other, right? People in Louisiana can't endure this alone, but you know what they can? If, if churches like ours come in and we provide what they need, we encourage them, we feed them well, we're working on bringing our barbecue trailer here to Lake Charles, Louisiana, so we can feed barbecue to people. And we're just gonna encourage them and we're gonna say, we're in it with you and we can do this together. So whatever it is you face, let's remember that God's promise never to leave us or forsake us. 
in the Gospel of John, he tells us this beautiful story, right? He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You can't come with me now, but you're going to come with me. And he says, you don't have to worry about being disconnected from me because I'm going to send my spirit to actually dwell within you. And that's the place we find ourselves, that God's spirit has come to dwell within us. So we don't face anything without God physically present inside of us. His spirit dwells in us. And then he says, I'm going to give you brothers and sisters around you to walk with you. So whatever it is you face, whatever it is that our brothers and sisters here face, I believe that we can endure it, not because you have what you need to endure it, but because God walks with us and we're not alone. So let me pray for you and let me pray for our brothers and sisters here. And then I wanna invite you to say, what is it that you can do? We've got drop-offs happening this week. We're gonna, you can drop off supplies. I'd encourage you to give, to dig deep and to give so that we can share generously with brothers and sisters in need. Lord God, I thank you for the people of Louisiana. I thank you for churches across Louisiana and Texas that will step forward to care for those in need. And I think of so many that were living in homes that look like what I see behind me, just destruction, just everything destroyed. And in those places, they're wondering if this is more than they can handle. And I pray today, God, that they would have this sense uh, that they're loved by you, that you're with them as you face hard times, and that they have the sense that they're not alone because brothers and sisters in Houston, where you can drive to a Home Depot and get a generator are bringing them a free generator. And that in that place, they would get their power back on, they'd get the refrigerator running again, and they'd find a little bit of hope. God, and I pray we would find our hope as we get to serve. We have a bit of survivor's guilt that we didn't endure this storm. And we're grateful, God, that we didn't, but we want to stand with those who are suffering. Let us be the church that you made us to be in good times and in hard times. We pray all of this together and we pray it in your name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. Ecclesia, now we have the great privilege to come to the table. I'm reminded how Jesus gathered his friends on that so important night and he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he proclaimed, this is my body broken for you. Signifying just the great suffering that he was gonna do on our behalf. In the same way, he took a cup, he filled it with wine, and he proclaimed something that changed our lives forever. This is my blood shed for you. And in it, we find forgiveness of sins and just a whole new identity. As we come to the table today, I would like to guide us through a prayer as we just prepare our hearts. This is just, as a family, a simple way that we could acknowledge in some ways that we might have missed it. I will read as a celebrant and you could respond as the people. Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and time again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen.
this is the time in the service when we like to extend a blessing over our children. If there are any special children in your life, reach out a hand or your heart and pray these words with me now. Ransom and given, may God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and bring you peace 
May you know how genuinely He cares for you and the details of your life, your struggles, and your victories. I pray that you would turn to Him often when you have any needs in your life, and that you would grow a strong friendship with the Holy Spirit and feel the nearness of God at all times. Father, be with our children as they begin a very different school year. Let them feel you close as they navigate this new beginning in an unexpected way. Be their compass and their guide through these changing times. Thank you for your constancy and your steadiness when we live with uncertainty. May we all come to rest and work with you each day. Amen. The psalmist laments, My heart seizes within my chest. I am in anguish. I shiver and shudder in fear. I can't stop because this horror is just too much. If only my arms were wings like doves, I would fly away from here and find rest. Yes, I would venture far and weave a nest in the wilderness. I would rush to take refuge away from the violent storm and the pounding winds. But the psalmist also reminds us of this, that God is our shelter and our strength, that when troubles seem near, God is nearer and he's ready to help. So why run and hide? No fear, no pacing, no biting fingernails. When the earth spins out of control, we are sure and fearless. When mountains crumble and the waters run wild, we are sure and fearless. Even in the heavy winds and the huge waves or as mountains shake, we are sure and fearless. Because a pure stream flowing, never to be cut off, is our true God, who never sleeps and always resides in the city of joy who surrounds us and protects us. The true God of Jacob is our shelter, keeping us close to his heart, that we might be still and calm, see and understand. And so Ecclesia, we are bent in the wind, certainly, but not broken in spirit, and we rise again together with one another and as neighbors across our coastlines, just as before, to rebuild, to restore. Ecclesia, love well one another, dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.